to the latest and greatest episode of the As Yet Untitled podcast that I think that we all have yet to actually decide on whether we're deciding on the name that we've decided on. Maybe in a few episodes we'll get one. Yeah. Yeah, I think episode 20 we'll have a name, maybe. Cross our fingers. Yeah, ignore the stream title. Uh, So... (laughs) Hmm? Ignore the stream title. Uh, That's a a red herring. Definitely, I agree. (laughs) Uh, so uh i am uh your i don't know moderator sam harrison and uh with me today we have got uh alex i have seen terminator 2 director's cut at least 15 times oh very good if you want to have a discussion about how many times we've seen a film after i've introduced everyone we'll talk about the sam raimi spider-man movie okay (laughs) sounds good next up we have allison Hi, uh, I've seen the movie Serenity about uh, at least 20 times, and most of them in theaters. Woo. Damn. When I went to see Serenity, everyone clapped at the end. It was the first time I'd ever been to see a film where people clapped. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> that is pretty cool. Hmm. Yeah, there were 20 people in the cinema, so it wasn't <laughs> that big of an achievement. <laughs> and finally, we've got Andre. How you doing, Andre? Living in the future. Uh, I live in the future, uh, and um, I'm. I need to get in my flying car because I did not prepare and count the amount of times I've seen a particular movie. Um, I saw the the J.J. Abrams uh, first Star Trek in theaters like four or five times. Not all because I wanted to see it, but because people were like, "Hey, let's hang out, and go to a movie," and then it was Star War- or Star Trek. Like, Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and I still think that movie's pretty good and like fun, but it was like oh, it's a really good movie. again. I it's, it's, spent so much money to see this in theaters. God damn it! Yeah, it's a fun movie, and I think I saw it a few times in theaters too because it was like that time in my life. But I don't know if I would have seen it eight times in theaters. It's probably like okay. So let's talk about the Sam Raimi, well, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie. Before, like before we seconds. do that, let's have a moment of silence for our lost brethren. We have Erica Hernandez, who is currently just dead on a bed somewhere because of a migraine how yep. sad and and she is she sounds like more like a her grain oh, oh my god <laughs> <laughs> and then we have we have pat j cotter who is recently deceased but will be joining us very soon stuck in traffic okay. he's stuck in traffic. Pat, <laughs> so if you're late to a podcast does that make you a ghost yeah yes okay Okay, now I now I feel like I kind of want to be late to a podcast just so I can be a ghost. Yeah, you'll be ethereal for a few moments. Oh, great! Yeah, no, only a few moments. I was gonna say, like, if I have to be a ghost for the rest of forever, that's just, it's not worth it. I'm never gonna be Depends late. Depends on what you can do. Could you imagine if you could like, oh, I can read any book, but you can't turn the pages, so you have to like stand oh, behind someone and wait so, for them to turn the page. So speaking of ghosts and in the, the romantic comedies we were talking about earlier there's a movie called the spirit of christmas where <laughs> a ghost comes back but for only the 12 days of christmas but he is physical he can eat during that time he just can't leave the house he's haunting and he's just he doesn't it doesn't it's seem like, like a he remembers, situation 
Yeah, and it doesn't seem like he remember, remembers the time he's not there. So he's just around for 12 years, 12 days a year, doesn't age, but he can eat and he can like touch stuff. So I'm like, that seems like a pretty <laughs> not bad deal. Yeah, it sounds like a yes. horror story, man. It, it was it was not a very good movie. Let me tell you about this movie <laughs> starring Patrick Swayze, Demi Moore, and Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, just to finish my anecdote, the original Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie. So, as you all know, uh, my PlayStation Network ID is Spider-Man 2099. Now you uh, get so many messages asking to be your friend because we're so popular. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I'm, I'm already, I've already sent my notifications off. I've got my blue tick, you know. Um, uh, and uh, I'm a big Spider-Man fan. Always have been, always will be. And... Uh, I saw the, I used to work in Curry's, which is like uh, Best Buy, and it was, I would say, two doors down from a cinema. When I turned 18, that summer was the summer when uh, Spider-Man the movie came out. So I worked two doors down from the cinema, and back in the day, cinema prices were extremely cheap for no reason. Uh, so I think I saw that film, I want to say... 10 to 15 times in the cinema good lord Jeez, like in the first movie, run in the theater as well yeah first run and then um so what i would do is i'd finish work and i'd be like well i've got nothing to do tonight and i would just go two doors down and watch spider-man uh because uh, i used to go to the cinema all the time by myself because i lived so close to the cinema i never saw it as a weird thing hey i go to and the then everyone... cinema all by all by myself all the time it's not weird it's not yeah. <laughs> I, I, I go more frequently again now, now that I live near a cheap you know, convenient cinema. Um, but yeah, so I just, I just went, you know, all the time. And I worked there for a whole summer and I went probably two, three times a week. Mm. Um, and then a friend of mine had a pirate copy of the movie on VHS, which he gave to me so that I could copy it onto a second VHS. <laughs> and what I would do is I would finish my day of work or whatever i would come home and i'd be like well british tv is terrible there's nothing on and like the internet doesn't exist so i can't watch what i want when i want so i would just put spider-man in the video player and i would watch it i would rewind it and i would watch it again uh and then i would probably do it a third time then i would go a bit so i think i on a conservative estimate have seen the original spider-man movie six to seven hundred times Good lord. Okay. <laughs> I know most okay. of the dialogue by heart. Okay. That puts I, all I, of my movie rewatching to shame. Bravo. Mm-hmm. I've not done anything similar since. Uh, I've, but uh, that one specific movie caught me at the right time. I had no money to do anything else because I was going to university. You spent so much money just, going to see Spider Man. Jesus. It was like four pound a ticket. It was fine. I wasn't even an hour's wage. <laughs> but this is ostensibly a games podcast. Yes. <laughs> ostensibly. Uh, one thing that, that get ready for the most off-topic episode of all time. Uh, first off, I think normally we would go through what we've been playing. So mm-hmm. I think it's only fair to start with Andre as he's got up oh. so early in the morning. Hmm. Okay, yes, collect my thoughts. Uh, last week I talked about playing some betas. This week I mainly, I think I did the same thing. Played some PUBG. 
that was all right. Uh, no chicken dinners this week. Only played a little bit. I got like a $16 pair of glasses out, out of one of the new crates. But uh, they're flashy enough that like I kind of want to keep them. Uh, so I'm doing that. Uh, played some more of the Dragon Ball Fighters beta. Um, I was doing pretty well in like the initial run up. They fixed the uh, like the server issues that we're having that were re- leading to uh, like mid match drops and getting kicked out of the lobby constantly. Um, so that was good. It was a lot, much better experience at that point. Um, but then when they, so they ran another 24 hour period on like Tuesday, Wednesday, something like that. I think it was Wednesday. Um, and when I started playing online, I was just getting worked over, uh, which was not happening the week before I won like three quarters of my matches or more, uh, uh, during the weekend beta. But during this one, I won like maybe two games, which was, (laughs) it was a bummer. I was like, oh man, I felt good before, uh, (laughs) So, you know, that's a bummer, but uh, I'm still, you know, happy with that game and how it feels. And I look forward to getting to, like, actually learn stuff and try stuff out. Um, Other thing, I think, was just the Monster Hunter beta. I think that was all. Um, Yeah, that game seems pretty good. I tried, uh, I had already taken down the first three um, missions in it uh, in the previous beta. So that was, like, nothing new. Um, but I kind of messed around with in the training with the other weapons and stuff. I played a little bit with Sam uh, on, like, the first mission. We tried to do the second mission, but we ran out of time because just couldn't find that, that monster. That was weird. Yeah, it took um, forever. I think I just went the wrong way or something when we were looking for it. Um, so, yeah, I replayed some of that stuff. Tried to take down the Nair Gigante, uh, which... I ran out of time on. I did not die against it, but I ran out of time, which was a bummer. So maybe I just need to try and do that with with some people. Uh, mm. We'll see. I don't know. Uh, that beta is almost over. Uh, so I don't know. I was trying to match make last night before I went to bed, but uh, that seems kind of busted in the beta. Mm. Oh, uh, and last thing I was playing is uh, Type Shift on the. Um, on the Android operating system. It was on iOS before, but just recently came to Android or at least somewhat recently. Uh, I just saw it show up in the uh, like highlighted games in the store. That game seems pretty fun. Uh, it, I'm kind of bad at it just because I don't know. Those kind of puzzles aren't for me, I guess, but I, I still enjoy it. Uh, so yeah, if you're on Android and you haven't checked it out, check out type shift. That's cool. That's the one. And also watching, uh, I've also been watching a lot of Dragon Ball Super, and I am sad to find out that it might be ending soon. Uh, they have there's a movie coming out in December that apparently they are putting like a ton of work into. Like Akira Toriyama is 100% on board that movie, and uh, they're pulling like tons of like artists and directors onto it. So apparently, the art direction in like the later bits of Super, or like the and uh, the animation, the art is like kind of like, eh. uh, so hopefully that movie is good and they keep doing stuff with Dragon Ball because Super is really good. And Goku reveals somewhere in there that he has never kissed his wife on the mouth. <laughs> well, he has two, he has an adult son and like a six year old son. That's pretty cool. Yep. But to that, step- that, sh- that is the show that keeps on giving. <laughs> to step back, uh, the type shift game is the one that where it's basically like a grid of letters and then you're uh, pulling the letters up and down and spelling stuff out of it, right? 
Yeah, yeah slowly yeah. up and down. Yeah, there are a couple different modes. Ones where like uh, it'll just kind of like a crossword where it'll have like a bunch of clues to tell, and then like once you think you've spelled the right word, then you like hit the clue and then it like crosses it out. And so there's like that mode, and there's also just like the smells spell as many words as you can. <laughs> smell as many words as you can, yes, please. <laughs> That's once. Uh, maybe next CES we'll finally get the smell of vision technology in the phones, and then that'll be a reality. Oh, that would be so good. Um, yeah, I've also been playing Monster Hunter, so I might piggyback off the back of that one if nobody else minds. Go for it. Um, so, yeah, I've also been playing Monster Hunter. Uh, it's my first Monster Hunter. I was saying to Andre when we were playing that I've given Monster Hunters about three to five hours about three to five times. So um, I probably played about two, maybe three hours worth of this Monster Hunter beta already uh, and don't feel as out of my depth as I did previously. Um, That's good. Uh, I've always found animation priority games really difficult. So like Bloodborne, Dark Souls, uh, Demon Souls, all those games where it's like, if I commit to a move, I've done it. I've always found those games essentially impossible and like die on the easiest enemies. I think uh, Bloodborne, it took me about 45 minutes to get out of the first room that you spawn in with the werewolf. Wow. Um, uh, I'm, I'm bad at animation priority games. Um, but this Monster Hunter, I think the combination of the fact that I after me and Andre played last night, where I just kind of went with the first weapon that looked fun, uh, this morning uh, I did the training mode and tried every single weapon out and just saw how I, how I felt about each one, how it changed the way you run, changed the way you move, uh, different combos. Um, and I picked a couple of favorites and then I went into the uh, missions and did because Andre and I had done the first one. I did the second two by myself. And one of the reasons I wanted to do the more difficult ones by myself was I was like, I don't want to buy this game if I can't go far with it. You know, I'm not going to spend 40 quid on something that I'm going to spend. Play for five, 10 hours and then be like, no, this is too hard for me. So, um, yeah, it wasn't too hard for me. I managed to beat the second uh, tier monster and the third tier one. Um, uh, the second tier one, I did die halfway through and finished it with about a minute left. But the third tier one, I had like three, almost three minutes left on the clock. So that felt pretty good. Um, and uh, I've started using, uh, started using the uh, Wyvern blade. It's the charge blade, isn't it? The Wyvern one. Uh, no, it's not the charge blade. It's like the, the long sword. Oh, what is it? Not long sword. Uh, I think it might be a long sword. Um, might be. It's the one that um, when you attack, you charge it up and then you uh, fire it off with R2. Oh, oh, that's like the evergreen blade. Well, it's very good. Yeah, uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, wy the wyvern blade is the uh, the long sword. It's like the like giant Sephiroth sword type weapon. Yeah, so that's what I'll be going with, I think, when I play the main game. And mm -hmm. also, I got my character to look like Tommy Wiseau. Uh, he was <laughs> an almost exact replica of his face is one of the presets, uh, which made me laugh a lot. It's very much uh, like I made the character and then just chef's kiss. and was like, nope, not going to do any more. <laughs> no more character customization. Don't need to go any further. 
Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm super looking forward to that full game now. Yep. I'm going to try my hand uh, and recruit some people and do the Neo Gigante or mm. maybe see if some people want to try and take on Diabolos. Mm. Uh, uh, the weird thing is... I, uh, in previous Monster Hunter games, at least the ones I've played, like the multiplayer missions and the single player missions were separate. Yeah. Um, so I wonder if that'll be the same, or I wonder if you'll be able to like team up and co-op the story stuff. I have a feeling that this game is going to take a lot of cues from Destiny, um, from the way that it seemed to play when we were playing together. Yeah, it might. I feel, I feel like if Capcom aren't making a game for Western audiences, which has got drop in, drop out co-op for the whole game. I think that they'll find themselves, I don't know. I think that they'll find themselves with a lot of confused purchases. Maybe, uh, that is entirely possible. And it's like, they are making it more accessible. I haven't actually looked into it, but, and maybe that info isn't even out, but mm. yeah, I wonder if it'll be a, be a, Hey, here, like separate, co-op missions that you unlock by doing the single player or like you know the higher you get in single player the better like the more difficult co-op missions you can do or mm. if you can do or if it's all the same or if they're yeah i don't know mm. yeah um i'm super interested into in playing that game um i was semi-interested in dragon ball fighters but i think i really need to actually finish tekken 7 story mode before i buy another fighting game that's fair. Um, yeah. uh, but I've also played multiple other games this week. This is last week. I basically only played Destiny, but this week I um, also played um, about three hours of World of Warcraft. So mm. that was a, that was a weird pull because I haven't played that since two thousand and eight. Wow. Uh, what brought, so what brought you basically in? ten years? That's a totally uh, different game now. Yeah, it is a very different game. Um, uh, I I played a no. I was playing a gnome called not Mario, <laughs> um, and uh, I'm trying to find clothes that look as much like Mario's outfit as possible. Do uh, they have dye like, in yeah. that game now? Do they have, they have dye? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You can maybe get like a guild banner with a mushroom or something, and then. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. I hope I can go yeah. go far with it. Um, I'm only playing the starter edition, which is quite cool. It's completely free up to level twenty. So you can, and you can play the latest content as well. And so it's everything, uh, if you've got World of Warcraft, you get everything up to, except the latest expansion for free. So like I've only got on my account up to Wrath of the Lich King of actual purchased expansions. But when I log in, it has everything all the way up to Mm -hmm. um, whatever the one before Legion was, Warlord of Draenor, which is kind of cool, really. They're giving away a lot of content for, to people who haven't paid for that content. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, well, they need to get people on board at this point somehow, because yeah, exactly. Like, there's a lot of stuff to buy. <laughs> yeah, there's like nine expansions, I think, at this point. Also, asking um, people to buy all that and then pay a monthly subscription is a hard, hard bargain mm -hmm. to run on by getting people into the game. So at this point. Um, how does WoW's whole thing work? I remember hearing tell that they're being able to go back to like the classic 1.0 server or the well, like the original version or something like that. What's up with that? That's, uh, that's launching this year um, with the new expansion, Battle for Azeroth. Okay. So, yeah, it'll You'll probably be, be like own, yeah, own sets of servers where it's 
I I don't know. I I haven't followed it because I don't like having played on like that. You know, original WoW. Uh, you know, it's it's real slow going. Um, you don't level up very fast. Uh, takes a lot a long time to get places. You don't get a mount till level forty. Now you get it like level twenty. Like you get like mm-hmm. a and then you get like a faster one level forty. Um, so. Like, I mean, if people want that, that, you know, go for it, but, uh, but it's not for me. Yeah. No, uh, I've played on like some custom servers, um, that are, you know, kind of do the, Hey, come play on like, there's a different type of like, get like insane amounts of experience or really fast, get any item you want at any time. <laughs> that uh, sounds great. Get a four strength, four yeah, stamina but belt. But also it kind of sucks out all the fun. Like it's a loot game. So then yeah. suddenly you don't have any reason to get any loot or do any quests. You're just like, I'm max level. So I don't know. I guess if you mm-hmm. just want to raid and stuff, that's fine. But um, well, yeah, so I play a little bit WoW. Um, can't really say all that much about it apart from that it's, uh, the playability is quite streamlined. Um, yeah. it's, it's a lot of fun still, um, which is really interesting. And uh, it's kind of cool to see. I'm playing the game on Ultra. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's kind of cool to see the world as I remember it being, but not how it looked at all. Uh, so that's kind of fun. Um, and uh, on top of that, oh, I'm sure I'm sure I had a third game. Um, oh, I've been playing Destiny, obviously. Um, I played some Destiny 2 with uh, Erica and Xavier this week. Uh, Xavier, sorry, I keep pronouncing his name wrong. Uh, uh, this week, and uh, that's still a very good game. Um, I think that I've hit like level fourteen on the PC version. I'm trying not to push through too much. I think the first weekend that Zero sells something I'm interested in will be the one that I just push it all the way to the end and get to level twenty. I'm probably only about two three hours away if I solidly play the story. Um, and then uh, finally, the one game that I'm excited to talk about more than the others this week is uh, Oxenfree. Mm. Oh, yeah. So Oxenfree came out for the Switch last year, I think, and PC the year before. Um, I think it was uh, more than so, the year before. I think it was like two years ago. Oh, I thought it was uh, the year before. Maybe. Yeah, I thought people yeah. were talking about it for like Game of the Year type stuff for last year. Yeah, I felt so like that. No, 2016, 20, January 15, 2016. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so super old 2016. Eh? Um, so, yeah, I've never played Oxenfree. It's, um, I've literally have seen maybe like two shots of the game. Never seen a trailer, never seen anything about it. But it was on sale on the UK Switch store for £3.99. Oh, nice. Which is less than it will cost you to get a cup of coffee at Starbucks here. So uh, I, I thought I'll give it a punt. And I've been playing it all day, pretty much, apart from breaks for meals and uh, reading comics uh, and uh, hanging out with my cat. So Your poor cat. <laughs> uh, it's <laughs> poor boy. Um, for context, my cat's had his balls cut off today. <laughs> One of the two cats. Um, but yeah, it's really good. It translates really well to Switch. Um, one of the big things I'd say about it is that uh, the... Uh, the dialogue's fantastic. Um, so it kind of reminds me a little bit of Night in the Woods. That's what I was going to say um, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a really deliberate pace to the movement. 
like the game will slow and speed you up depending on what's going on um and that's one of the things that i hated about night in the woods was how slow the game felt to play um but when i'm playing oxen free it just feels like the right speed if that makes sense um, and also things start happening a lot quicker in oxen free um uh, but uh, also i feel like the dialogue is very similar in terms of realism um they, they sound like real things real teenagers would say to each other in the same way that you get in night in the woods um, I would also say that I much prefer that Oxen Free is fully voiced. Um, that was a big complaint I had with Night in the Woods, which was kind of that much reading, because I played it all in one session as well, that much reading in one session almost made me fall asleep a couple of times. Um, and uh, I haven't had that with Oxen Free at all. I've been super engaged with it. Although I will say that I really, really dislike the dialogue system to start with because um, the way that it works is that um, uh, even if you guys have played it, I will explain for the audience. Um, but uh, basically the four face buttons, um, the top, there's three replies to every, uh, every statement. Or like if there's, if you're prompted to speak, there's three replies and they'll flash up basically as soon as the other person starts speaking and they'll start to slowly fade out and once they're gone, they're gone, and you just say nothing. Um, but the, as they're fading out, you can still you can still make a response. But a lot of the time in the early game, when you make your response, you interrupt the other person. Mm. And I was uh, so it's very much like real conversation in that when you you press the button to say what you want to say, you say it straight away. But I'm kind of used to being able to listen to the dialogue. Um, and I'm finding this a lot of times that I was missing my opportunity to speak by wanting to listen to what the characters were saying. Um, that kind of stops after about the first hour of the game. And uh, there's only a few times where you can interrupt other people. A lot of the time, the speech bubble will, will once you've selected it, it will stay visible until the other person stops speaking and then it but then your dialogue goes. Um, but there's a really interesting part where like you and the other characters have an argument. And in that, when you select a speech option, um, Alex, the main character just jumps in and it's really cool. It's really well done. Um, I, like I said, I hated it at the beginning, but now I see a lot more benefit in it. Um, uh, I'd really recommend Oxen Free, especially if it's on sale on the Switch store for other people or if it's cheap anywhere else. Um, but uh, I've mostly be, I've mostly played it in portable mode as well. Um, the soundtrack is absolutely brilliant. Um, I really loved it. I was very tempted to listen to it on Spotify whilst I was reading this afternoon as well. Um, so yeah, it looks great. It plays pretty well, actually. Um, there's a cool mechanic where in order to get, instead of like, so there's like audio log style things all over the world, but the way that you access them is you tune your handheld radio into the frequency. So you've got like a handheld FM radio and as you're walking around, there'll be like a, a, a kind of a thing 
in the environment that lets you know that there's a secret there and you just tune the radio until you hit like a weird frequency and then you'll hear some cool dialogue um it's really well done uh Do you have to look totally back in the box to find the frequency <laughs> uh, I, unfortunately there's no physical box uh you just have to go you just kind of fiddle the dial backwards and forwards um but it only goes in increment it doesn't go in like big increments it's only like 89 to 107 and it, it's pretty it's really cool i'd really really recommend it to pretty much anyone i think if you, you go to it? like if you go to like the switch store page is there like a thing that's like hey monica here here's the frequency you need to go to <laughs> no i would also have been big on that <laughs> Do you have to plug in. I'm sorry. Do you have to plug into uh, port two for your controller? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. Both I missed the Joy-Cons go in the right slot. Did you finish? Did you finish the game already? No. Um. Okay. I think I'm pretty close. Um, I'd be. I'd be interested in having a conversation about it when you finish it. That that game was easily in my top five games and the uh, last year before last. It's an incredible, incredible, incredible game. Uh. Yeah. No. I'll. I will. I'm, I'm thinking if I can force myself to wait, I will wait and finish the game next Saturday so that my the thoughts are fresh. But uh, to be honest, I had to really stop myself from playing it right up until ten o'clock when we started to record. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I actually am so interested to have a conversation about the way that that game story goes that I may try to replay it next week because it's 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 really really good. I'm yeah. really interested in doing that too because I really liked Oxenfree a lot, but it's, since it's been a while, I played it not too long after it came out, so I feel like it's not at all fresh in my mind. Yeah, yeah so that's kind of what I'm at. Need to, uh, I need to refresh because I really liked it, but I, if you asked me to recall all of the story beats, I'd be like, huh, I don't remember any of that. So, Yeah, but it's yeah, got just... really good dialogue. Really, really well written. Yeah, I would definitely agree. Um mm -hmm. I'm literally at the point where about 10, 20 minutes ago, we've had the big argument in the communications tower. Um, mm. Ah, yeah, it's a great scene. Yeah, um, and I thought that was really well done, uh, but that's where I am, so I don't know how close I am to the end. Um, I've been playing for probably, I'd say, at least three hours or so, so it's apparently only four hours long. Yeah, that sounds about right. So Yeah. Have all of you guys played Oxen Free and I'm just extolling it for you. It's a great game. And I, no, how is no, it on the Switch? Like, are you playing it in handheld mode on the Switch? Yeah, like 90% handheld mode. I played about 10 minutes on the TV, um, maybe even less than that actually. Um, and uh, so I have a I have a Sony Bravia TV, and very very weirdly, for certain types of media, the music will play too loud. Uh, it happens in most movies that I watch on my PS4. Uh, so if I watch a Blu-ray on the PS4, the background sound will be way, way wrong, like mixed completely too loud. Weird. If I watch it on the Xbox One Blu-ray player, absolutely fine. And it's never triggered on the Switch, but for Oxenfree, the, I don't know whether the opening music was really, really loud, but I was having trouble hearing the dialogue and had to turn the subtitles on. I had that issue even on PC myself. I think that that game is just has some mixing issues in early part. It's been fine in portal mode, I have to say. It's been absolutely like with headphones on or just listening to the Switch speakers. It's been that's, that's been fine. interesting. 
huh. it might be because I use a TV to play games on. Um, like my PC is directly plugged into it, so it could just be that, for whatever reason, the um, the way the audio gets mixed on like TV stereo speakers that that's what causes the problem. Possibly, yeah. But um, yeah, so as soon as that started happening, I was like, no, what? Well, I'll just play in handheld mode. That's, the switch is great. I can go sit upstairs on my armchair and uh, play. And so I did that. It's pretty too, but it's not like a visual spectacle that needs to be experienced in on a television or anything. Right. I've really enjoyed it on the Switch, I have to say. I think that the small screen's done it um, some real good. It's also, you can play it fully using touch, not using controls. Ah, that's cool. Sweet. Um, I have not used the touch controls at all, apart from to navigate the menus. Uh, but uh, I, I have thought, I, I think it's really cool. Um, I, I assume that it's because they ported it to iOS or something, and I just haven't seen it before. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd highly recommend that game. I have to say. Any Brits, it's £3.99. That's basically nothing. That's pretty great. Yeah. And I think that's everything. I've probably played other stuff, but I can't remember. So it can't have been that great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, wait. I know exactly what I played, and it was great. It was Zoo Tycoon. I played oh. Zoo Tycoon. <laughs> yes. What? Sure. Nice. Why not? Yes. <laughs> Uh, it's it the Zootagoon Ultimate Animal Edition was free on Game Pass this month, so uh, I started that and uh, it's a great game. It's very weird, uh, uh, exactly. and it's just like one of those sit back, relax, nothing's going to happen to you games. Did, did, Is that the did, one that launched on the Xbox? Yeah, the one that launched for Xbox One. Did any of you guys, when you were in school or whatever, play Dinosaur Tycoon? Oh yeah. No. no. That game was Maybe. rad. They should make a new dinosaur yeah. tycoon. <laughs> yes. Well, it's called Ultimate Animal Edition. I've not seen all the animals yet, so that well, could be the could unlock a Velociraptor. I mean, there was an expansion for a Zoo Tycoon that had dinosaurs in too, cool. like the PC Zoo Tycoon. There you go. Precedent's been set. Uh, speaking. Speaking of precedence, uh, you may have noticed we have a new voice joining the podcast. Pat arrived <laughs> yeah. raised from the dead. <laughs> Where did he come from? <laughs> he hasn't been quiet the whole time. We were talking about how many times we've seen a movie. Uh, mm. Pat, what do you think is the most times you have seen a single movie? We're we talking like in the theater or combined between home and combined. Combined. Uh, yeah. That's tough, probably. Um, I've probably seen uh, The Fellowship of the Ring 35, 40 times. Good Lord. I've probably seen Alien around 100 times. Good Lord. Um, wow. <laughs> I mean, I've, 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 there's a lot of movies that I have seen. It's Alien is my good. favorite movie, which is why I've seen it so many times. But uh, uh, the, the best Alien movie. Yes, it is. The original Star Wars, uh, probably close to 100 times, too. So I've definitely watched a lot of movies over and over again in my life. But the most times that I've seen a movie at the theater, I think, was Mad Max Fury Road and I think I saw it ten times at the theater. Oh, that's that a good one. Great. Good one. It was so good in theaters. It was great in theaters. Did yeah. anybody see the black and white or black and chrome version in theaters? No. no. That was good. Yeah, that was well. really good. <clears throat> I've actually um, never seen that on Blu-ray or home video just at the theater, but I will watch it again soon, I'm sure. 
Uh, Star Wars A New Hope is the only uh, original Star Wars movie that I've seen in the cinema. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. When they did the re-releases, that was the one my dad really wanted to go and see. Whereas I wanted to go to Return of the Jedi, which is my favorite Star Wars movie. Uh, my parents took me, yeah, my parents took me to all three of those, and I feel like that was, like, oh. an almost formative experience for me yeah, in terms of, of liking, uh, like, science fiction, in terms of mm-hmm. liking cinema. It was, I, I just, I barely remember because I was, uh, I was not quite six at the time, but I just remember my mind being completely blown by, like, what is this amazing thing that I just witnessed? The first film I ever saw in the cinema was Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. So my dad set me up. I think I was, what, yes. seven? Uh, no, I was even younger, because I, I was like five, maybe. I have no recollection of that film at all. Uh, <laughs> but it's the first film I've seen in the cinema. It's a weird one to Very start good. you on. <laughs> of all um, the Star Trek movies. <laughs> We yeah, should, we should probably get back to uh, what we played. Video games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've had okay, a really so good show so far. But yeah, I love talking Honestly, about the but that's not this podcast. So, uh, uh, Allison, what have you been playing? Yes, uh, I've been playing a few different games. Um, like I've mentioned on the past couple of podcasts, I just finished the last uh, Zero Escape game, uh, Zero Time Dilemma. Dang. Which kind of blew my mind, but in a good way. Uh, all of those games have such good twists and such good writing um, that that series has gone from has is immediately in one of my favorite game series of all time. I really loved those, so I am very um, sad that there's no new ones for me to play. Um, <laughs> but uh, the story was really good, and I uh, reached out to the. Uh, director on Twitter to thank him for the experience, and he liked that tweet, so uh, that was exciting. Oh, that's <laughs> um, endearing. <laughs> I was just like, "Thank you, I love these games." <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I, I, it's I, I totally recommend them if you guys haven't played them. I don't want to spoil them because those games are spoilery, um, and I think that they're really. But I'm really glad that I didn't have any spoilers going into them, but. Um, there, there are some twists and turns that are good. Um, and then after that, I kind of wanted something a little bit uh, lighter. So I've been playing more of Xenoblade Chronicles 2, um, which is by far the most anime game I've ever played in my life. <laughs> which, which I, I was like thinking of ways to... <laughs> I, was way, I was trying to think of ways to describe it. I'm like, this is just anime. Um, but I'm actually enjoying it. I, I think that this, it's some of the character designs are a little something (laughs) but uh the world is really fun to play around in um some of the systems are kind of weird like the 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 finding your way around can be a little bit annoying because the only way that you can really get a full map is to go into like your um fast travel menus and you're it's like trying to find there have been a couple of times where i'm like where do i go here how do i find my way around but i thought i've been enjoying that um I think it works really well on Switch, too, because having it in mobile has been really, really nice. Um, And I've uh, just been getting a little bit back into Hearthstone. Um, With that game, I tend to play it really, really hard for a few months and then leave it for a few months and then get back really into it for a while. Um, And I'm I'm back into it playing the uh, Dungeon Run mode, which is uh, the single-player mode where you go through different bosses of uh 
increasing difficulty and and that's been really fun i i'm not a particularly good hearthstone player especially when it comes to uh deck construction so this mode has been fun because it's more about um playing the deck that they give you and then kind of building up from that because i if if i need to build a deck i will be sitting in front of like uh one of the hearthstone sites trying to like figure out which card goes with which and i'm i'm not very good at that so it's been a fun mode to play around with this week fair enough um and uh alex anything you've been up to you want to share with us yeah absolutely um i didn't get a ton of game time this week at my work it was crunch week so you know (laughs) you know how it is if you've ever done development we're literally working until midnight or one in the morning but i did manage to squeeze a few things in um one i was going to talk about in hushed tones and very ambiguously i went back and played the ending of danganronpa 3 again and talked with erica about it for like at least an hour and a half just like she's like i'm never gonna get to this game like it's it's on my list but like my pile is so big just spoil it for me (laughs) so we talked about like the overall story of that game and the ending for yeah like at least an hour and a half but she's not here so can't even talk about it um uh let's see i also played the monster hunter beta but i didn't play enough of it to really have an opinion i just did two of the two of the dudes on my own i haven't had a chance to do it with anyone else seems cool animation priority heavy everything we've already talked about and the last game i played was another indie game um and another indie game that i'm sure none of you have played uh but this one has nothing to do with poop and well not that i've seen <laughs> it could I, like i haven't finished it there um so it has a bit of a backstory that i need to get into first if that's all right go for it all right so um so the Patriots <laughs> <laughs> go back all the way to World War II. <laughs> so <laughs> I was uh, turned on to the game by my girlfriend, uh, Cheska, because she works for a company called the Casual Games Association or Computer Games Association. I think they changed it to. And they have a show called Casual Connect. And that show was just happening in Anaheim at Disneyland Hotel this past week. So what it is, is it's basically if you guys are familiar with GDC is it's a uh, developer focused conference. So it's not like PAX. It's not for the fans. It's totally for developers. There's lectures. uh, There's a bunch of indie studios showing off their games, things like that. And running alongside it, they have something called the indie prize awards. And that is uh, there's like 30 or 40 judges that judge the 60 games that get admitted to the show. And they have awards for like best audio and best art and you know like pretty boilerplate stuff that you would expect from game awards but there's one award which is their game of show and that is decided by the attendees of the show it's basically a write-in kind of scenario and out of all of these 60 amazing like really strong games this one game came out ahead and like it won it not quite sweeping but like it won it pretty hard and the thing that caught my attention is the fact that it's an educational game aimed at three to six year olds. And I was thinking, mm-hmm. why in God's name did that win like the overall best game of show? And Frog then Fractions uh, already came out. Pardon? That's not new. We've already played Frog Fractions. <laughs> <laughs> but um Frog Fractions too. Essentially, uh I've been dancing around the title, and there's a reason for that. And as soon as I heard the title, I was like, oh, that's why. 
And so again, it's an educational game aimed at children and it's called Alpha Beat Cancer. And the entire game is on your phone. It's on your Android, your iOS, and it's just a very mechanics light game. And it's all about, um, it's aimed at children who might have cancer, who might have family who have cancer and might have friends who have cancer. And it's kind of no BS. Like this is what cancer is. This is what people go through when they go through chemotherapy. This is what happens. Like, you know, it's, it's the full gambit. It has you like, uh, it, yeah, it's, it's really touching actually. Um, but there's only one problem with it. And that's the fact that it's only in Portuguese. Uh, the, the developers are Brazilian. Uh, they're a completely nonprofit. So like the game is not for sale. Nothing in it is for sale. It's completely educational and informative. And yeah, like I had to play, play along with it with like Google translate on the side, but I 100% recommend it. They're looking to get an English release going, but because they're a nonprofit, they're waiting for extra funding. But uh, there's a really fantastic article that came out on VentureBeat about the game, and I think it's totally worth rec – like, I recommend reading it. And, yeah, like, I think other games have tried to do the cancer thing. Like, That Dragon Cancer comes to mind. Relapse comes to mind. Uh, I didn't really like those games. Like, if I'm honest, I wrote a, dra I wrote a review for That Dragon Cancer and gave it two out of five. Uh, mm. And one of my main problems with it was the fact that, you know, like – they were actually trying to make a profit off of it and like, they were turning it into this really weird thing. And like, but I have, yeah, I have nothing but respect for the creators of alpha beat cancer. And I think it's totally worth recommending around and like reading about and trying if you can. So okay. excellent. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, fascinating. Th there could be poop. I didn't get to the very end. <laughs> don't know enough about chemotherapy to comment one way or the other. Mm. Speaking of poop, Pat. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh my god! Don't turn yeah, it yeah. Sick burn. Uh, no, I will say um, on uh, that dragon cancer. I was not a particularly big fan of the game itself as well. Um, but I will say there's a fascinating episode of uh, Reply All that comes yeah. into the development of that dragon cancer. I oh. highly recommend it to everyone totally it's very good i think uh, one thing oh. i should note about that dragon cancer i even said it in my review is i think it's a story that's 100 percent worth experiencing because i think like it's extremely personal and it's really well told i just think as a game it's the wrong medium like if they did it as a documentary or like a children's cartoon or something like that it would be amazing but yeah i think when you learn more about the development of that game there's uh it's it's really worth hearing about the story almost more than playing the game i think um, just because there's some very beautiful and touching stuff that they go through in that episode of Reply All. that, And then also some things that, um, that in a sense, that game was seems, and I'm trying to choose my words very carefully because I don't want to seem disrespectful at all, because I think that that couple went through hell and did it smiling for their child. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's something I don't know that I could ever do. But um, some very personal parts of that game degree that it's very hard to relate to them. If you're not that those parents, like, yeah, I don't mean about like in what it's like generally to go through that scenario, but specifically what it was like for them. Certain scenes in that game relate to specific moments in their story that are not conveyed through the game that they, I think expected more people would pick up on, but it's very hard to do so if you don't know the story going in. 
Yeah. So uh, if, if, if anything, re- like listening to that reply all episode made me appreciate aspects of the game more. But I, I think it's hard to, I think that game is just hard to review in the first place, but it's also hard to give it a pass for those things if you remove it from its context and look at it simply as a work. Yeah, um, for sure. So I, I think it's challenging to review, but I, I tend to agree that I wasn't a huge fan of the final product. Um, I do think that those that, that what they achieved was really important, though, at the same time. Yeah, um, I agree. It's okay. an interesting, interesting thing. Uh, as far as what I've been playing, um, I've been playing, I can't remember if I talked about it at all last week, um, but I've con- continued to play through Fire Emblem and the Game Boy Advance, um, which that game is really good. Um, it's, I'm not going to go way into it because it's really old, but uh, it's an awesome game, and I'm really glad I'm finally like clicking with that series because I want to, like, over the course of the next year or so, I'm looking forward to just sort of slowly working through that library. Uh, I think that the parallels to Advance Wars are things I didn't really appreciate back when I tried to play it closer to when it came out. Um, but, like, it's Wars in a lot, a lot of ways, in my opinion. I think that it has a lot more character, and I can see why they kind of stuck with Fire Emblem going forward rather than in them like they were doing for a while. Um, so I'm, I'm about 20 chapters into that 30-chapter game. Uh and then the other thing, I don't really have much to report on it, so I'll keep it very brief so we can go into our main topic. But I don't know how I missed this, but I'm a huge fan of Toys to Life stuff. <laughs> I think the execution is almost always horrible. Uh, but, like, I really want to believe. I bought into Skylanders when it first came out. I bought into Disney Infinity when it first came out. I've always wanted to, like, fall in love with one of those systems because I think it's magical and I'm kind of ticked off and bitter that it didn't exist when I was a kid. <laughs> uh, so anyway, a friend of mine reminded me of a game called Lightseekers that was kickstarted a couple of years ago. I'm not familiar. Um, it didn't really pick up, I don't think, at all in like gaming media because the game is on mobile. It's on iOS and phones, or iOS and Android devices. And <clears throat> um, it's like it, it but I, so I kind of like glossed over it, but there's a whole trading card game to it that um, is, like, separate from the game. So I picked some of the stuff up for today. The cards are actually, like, pretty cool. They look like physical Hearthstone cards, kind of. The rule system is <laughs> deeper than uh, than I would have uh, expected. And kind of the reason I jumped on it cause a friend, was because a friend of mine that I played card games with wanted to try out the cards. Um, and then the figures, which I picked one of them up, are pretty awesome. Uh... So they look like this guy. Oh, nifty. Yeah, so they're fully posable, and they're about seven inches tall. Um, it's very different from Skylanders. You basically, like, there's only four figures out right now, and then a handful of equipment that you can stick on them. But it's kind of more like this is, like, your character that you're playing as in the game. And it Bluetooths with this nifty little, like, chip thing that you stick in their back, like, on their back. Um, and, um, basically like you, you set all that up and then based on what you equip them with different parts of the figure glow at different times and it kind of unlocks different things within the game. Um, and then there's also like, there's parts where like, if you have one of these flight packs, you can fly around with it in the game and use the character as a controller. But, um, the thing that kind of put me over the edge on it is that it's not nearly the money sink that like, uh, a, 
Skylanders is because it's kind of the idea is like you get one of these characters and then play with that character for a long time. The game seems, I haven't put much time into it, but it seems to be kind of like a action RPG sort of like Diablo light kind of, but actually fun. I read an article uh, from, I think it was from like Forbes and from Kotaku saying like this game is way better than any other Toys to Life game part has been before. Um, and uh, they've just like really slowly been adding free content to it since there's not tons of uh, like uh, tons of figures to buy buy in and then the game is pretty much open to you there's no gating there's no microtransactions or paywalls it's just and your toy looks cool and does stuff while you're playing and you put different weapons on the toy and then it, hey, you have different weapons in the game but it's just something for you to kind of play through at that point there's not like Oh, well, you need this Skylander to go through this gate so you can get this piece of loot. Um, it just doesn't do that. So I'll probably have more thoughts on it next week when I've had a little more time to put into the game part of it. But it seems pretty neat for that genre. Um, and, like, maybe somebody is actually cares about making a cool product. It was Kickstarted, so they're kind of a small company that to making a fun product over, like, capturing billions of dollars in the toy market. Nice. You know, that sounds really interesting. You you talking about being able to put like the chips on the back of them? It just makes me think we really need a Toys to Life syndicate game where you can rip the chips out of the back of people's heads. <laughs> well, you know, Nintendo is kind of, you know, they're we we talked about the direct last week then they did their their thing. I've got an exclusive Nintendo Labo right here. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Hey. Uh, newest Toys to Life product. Uh, it totally you, is that. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, for those of you listening to the audio version, uh, Andre just pulled a full uh, cardboard piano. Uh, From nowhere. <laughs> it's pretty amazing, actually. Yeah, full-size full grand piano in my... Yeah, it's very impressive. I'm surprised to get hold it up. Um, in my studio what's the name of that game, by the way, Pat? I missed the name. Uh, it's called Lightseekers. I... I feel like I'm pretty much 100% going to buy that. <laughs> yes. Uh, I won't keep talking about it at length, but it's called Lightseekers, and you can actually, the trading card part of it, um, you can buy those separate from the figures if you're just interested in playing the card game. Um, if you do buy them and you use the app, you can also play the app for free without buying any of the figures. Um, and uh, if you do buy cards, though, you can scan them into the app, and then it gives you different like bonuses and things in the game. As far as I understand it, none of that like gates your progress, but they do have an effect in the in the game. I don't believe there's a digital version of the trading card game built into it, but I imagine it launched about six months ago. So I imagine that as it, it, it ages, they will probably support it with that too. There's a star set here for £22.50. That's pretty good. Anyway, sorry, I'm just looking at the internet now. <laughs> <laughs> Pat, did you have anything else that you want to talk about, or should we move swiftly on? Um, just thinking if there's anything. Oh, I did. Uh, I dug out um, a uh, an, a piece of archaic technology called the PlayStation Vita um, and got it running. Um, and uh, I have Danganronpa installed on it. I haven't really put any time into it yet, but uh, I will be beginning that journey as well in the coming weeks. Hell yeah! You did, you did some dark business. You could get Fire Emblem on there. Yeah, yeah, I did do some dark business and purchase a cartridge, a Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon cartridge that I am almost positive will end up being fake, but <laughs> uh, we'll see. It was twelve dollars, so looked real in the picture. You know, 
you know what's great on the PlayStation Vita? The PSP game, Valkyria Chronicles 2. Yeah, actually, I'd like to play that because I've never played the second one. And I like the first one quite a bit, so... It's so um, good I actually that it's so criminally yeah. underlooked. Yeah, I will be... I'm planning on getting into a few uh, Vita's think games that I missed now that I have it dug out and a new charger for it and stuff. Yeah. And if you like Fire Emblem, cool. it stands to reason that you might really like Valkyria Chronicles. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I already know that I like really like the first Valkyria Chronicles. I've just never gotten into any of the sequels. Right. And 2's got a lot of, like, social link stuff. They mm-hmm. basically cool. tried to make their spin on a Persona. Awesome. Uh, so, uh, I, I played... Uh, my Vita died. Um, it's not, I'm the only person I know who's had a Vita that broke. Um, but my Vita died uh, when I was about 40 hours into that game. Um, so never managed to pick it back up again. Yep. But would recommend from the four hours I played of it. <laughs> um, so uh, before we get into our main and also our off topic, um, does anybody, I mean, uh, Andre talked a little bit about Labo. Um, I, 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 for one, thought it'd be interesting just to talk for a couple, just about a couple of minutes. Um, I think it's awesome. Um, what's yeah, everyone's I thoughts? I have contributed all I have to say on the matter. <laughs> I think it looks, I think it looks really good. And I, I think that there's a lot of people. Oh, <laughs> I think there's a lot of people that aren't super excited <laughs> about it, but they're the ones that aren't necessarily parents. Whereas I know a lot of parents who are looking at this going like, yes, please give it to me right now. Um, because it is really aimed for kids. And I say that, but I am definitely going to get uh, that variety pack at launch because this definitely feels like uh, something I would have adored when I was a kid and would be kind of fun to play around with as an adult. Yeah. Originally, yeah. I wasn't too hot on it. I was like, eh, that seems okay. But then um, when it came out that they only really charge you for the cart, and then, like, all of the designs are just freely available. I thought yeah. that was actually pretty yeah. cool. I will be interested uh, to see how much, like, custom stuff you can do with it. Um, I've heard people thinking, saying that they assume that there's going to be a lot of, like, custom programming that's possible. Man. I didn't get that impression from the trailer. But if there is, that could be even better. Yeah, if you could yeah. basically turn that into, like, an Arduino for kids, that would be amazing. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, my uh, my wife to be was watching the trailer with me, uh, and she said she said like at the end of it, she was like, "That's so cool!" Like her, she literally like my jaw was open the entire two and a half minutes because like she works with kids, um, and uh, you know she was like, I, "I see every single possibility here of how good this is um, and how impressive it is." Um, so luckily, that means I don't need to buy it because she's going to buy a coffee. <laughs> but uh, actually, I'm looking forward to giving it a play as well. That reminds me. Um, I don't remember if it was actually related to this, but Korg recently, makers of synthesizers and uh, a bunch of pedals and stuff like that, recently came out and said they're doing a bunch of Nintendo Switch stuff. And I think yeah. so, oh, like where they cool. had like the piano and stuff, like that was pretty light, but you actually might be able to do like kind of like modular synthesis, like kind of stuff on the switch. And that is profoundly exciting. So people are going to be going to EDM shows and like plugging their switch into like their synthesizer. <laughs> and Hell yeah. 
people and waving around their joy cons yeah, just... like uh... <laughs> I, i've been to a gig where somebody was playing an original game boy so you, do. you know nintendo's already in there <laughs> um but yeah so i uh, i mentioned a couple of times uh, that our main topic today is actually off topic so uh whilst primarily uh we're going to be talking about video games on the show um when there's not much video games to talk about um we've kind of uh come to the conclusion that we're going to talk about something else um so i was lucky enough to get my idea in first for this week and uh nobody disagreed with me so <laughs> Uh, this week we are doing a group read and review of the Marvel Comics series The Vision uh, by Tom King and Gabriel Hernandez-Walter that came out in 2015. Um, it's available uh, incredibly reasonably uh, uh, online if you want to buy yourself a copy. Um, we'll find out in a minute whether everyone else would recommend you do that. Um, I certainly would. Um, and uh, what I thought would be best is if we could talk non-spoilery about it and then uh, for those who might be interested and then we'll do a hard cut and we'll go full spoilers from there on out. So, um, and what I'll do is Erica sent in her thoughts. I'll read those out at the end of the non-spoiler section. Um, and right. kind of end of, beginning of the next section. So um, uh, I don't want to talk too much here. Uh, 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 just to start, uh, you can find the comic uh, Vision Volume One: Little Worse Than a Man on Comicsology for seven dollars or six ninety nine. Nice. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and I forgot to mention that Labo comes out on four twenty and costs sixty nine dollars. <laughs> Yeah. Well done, Disney. Oh, not Disney, Nintendo. Well done, Nintendo. It'll be Disney someday. Someday. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Volume Two is also six ninety nine on Comicsology. Nice. nice. Yeah. So um, I think the first thing we should do is just all give a overview opinion of what we thought of it. So um, I'll I'll go in order in the in the people in the order I see them left to right. So I'm going to start with Alex. Sure. So for me, I don't follow comics too closely. Um, I read, let's say, one series every five years, more or less. So this is that one, uh, and it really <laughs> reminded me of my first time reading through the graphic novel of Watchmen, just in terms of content uh, content matter that they're talking about, and in terms of tone. And just the writing, the level of writing and everything like that. So that's, I, I take that as pretty high praise because of all the graphic novels and comics I've read, Watchmen is probably among my top, uh, probably is my top actually. So my feelings on Vision are almost wholly positive. Um, I don't really have any criticisms that come to mind. Uh, I think it's a quick read just because it's so good. So yeah, that's all I've got for it for the moment without being spoilery. And uh, Allison. What do you think? Yeah, uh, I think I probably read a few more comics than Alex, but not by very much. Um, like I read, uh, I'm a big Hawkeye fan, um, for instance. Uh, Matt Fraction's run on Hawkeye is my favorite comic for, by far. But then I also read the occasional other Marvel comic. But I tend to read more, mostly kind of 
the light, lighter hearted, like the current Miss Marvel. Uh, I like Squirrel Girl. So reading, going from that to this was, was kind of a surprise. I really enjoyed it, though. Um, the thing that I thought was just so interesting, not not in a spoilery way, um, was that this was, from what I understand, announced pretty much right after or right before um, Avengers Age of Ultron came out. Uh, so yeah. it was kind of like, look, you're going to be you're going to like uh, Vision after seeing Age of Ultron, right? You're going to want to read this comic. So then you read it and you go, this is not, I, I, I can't even imagine what it would feel like if you had just gone straight from liking uh, Vision in Age of Ultron to reading this comic. I feel like it, it, it doesn't feel like a kind of comic that, they, that they'd make just to get for the movie-only fans to... To read but but i really enjoyed it i thought it was really well done and uh like alex said i was uh once i started reading it i was pretty hooked and needed to finish it almost immediately uh andre what did you think uh i enjoyed it uh i am i go through like fits and starts with comic books i will like get real hot and heavy for a little bit and then like fall off like because i no longer have a like a android tablet or like an ios tablet so reading stuff on like marvel unlimited is a pain in the ass uh, because their desktop pc stuff windows stuff is awful and just basically worthless um so that's where i'm at with comics uh captain kelly pseudoconics captain marvel from like 2012 is my favorite series um so yeah uh vision it's um hmm I enjoyed it, but it was, I don't know, maybe after playing, like, seeing some other stuff that, like, dealt with the same kind of subject matter, like, uh, maybe near Automata and stuff like that, where they're not exactly the same or telling the same story. They deal with similar themes, and so it was, like, it hit a little less heavy for me. Um, like, it, you know, there's still some very, like, heavy stuff in there, and uh, makes you question a lot of things, but... It wasn't as much of a, hmm, what are people? As maybe <laughs> it might have been had I not played some other stuff or like that stuff had been, hadn't been coming up in media recently. And like this is kind of like, you know, before Near Automata and stuff came out in 2015, but just like from when I consumed the stuff. No, definitely. Um, and Pat, about yourself? Yeah. So, um, I guess for my comic reading past, I don't, I've never really been a big superhero comic guy. I used to, my favorite superhero is Spider-Man. I used to read Ultimate Spider-Man pretty religiously when I was a kid. But other than that, um, I don't really, I read the occasional like, uh, like Batman series because I like Batman a lot too, or, uh, or I've read through all of the Civil War comics when that was happening um, in Marvel. But <clears throat> I don't, I haven't really followed comics in a long time. Um, I do like uh, a lot of um, non-superhero comics. So, like, uh, and I get to them way after the fact. Um, last year, I read North Forty, which I really liked a lot. That's a indie book that's kind of a like a sort of Lovecraftian with weird uh, Eldritch superheroes in it. Well, I've read, um, obviously, I've read stuff like Sandman and things like that. So a lot of stuff that's like superhero adjacent, but not superhero comics. Um, that's kind of the stuff I get into. I'm reading through uh, the Monstrous series right now. That's really beautiful, dark, 
like monsters and stuff. Um, but as far as vision is concerned, uh, it's interesting that you brought up um, just like seeing vision in Age of Ultron and then going to read this because while I haven't watched Age of Ultron since it was in theaters, that was kind of my primary exposure to vision prior to reading this. So it's kind of over time more, but um, it was interesting to come in with that perspective and have that just totally like torn away and I kind of thought that that would happen based on the little that I knew about the excuse me the premise for this series um, and I would say that I really really enjoyed a lot of the uh, the themes in it and I especially enjoyed a lot of the writing I had a similar reaction that on, as to Andres in that it didn't a lot of I felt like a lot of the what is humanity themes that it tried to investigate were didn't hit as hard as in other pieces of media for me um and i think i it actually was kind of helpful because i kind of got maybe why near didn't hit as hard with some people because it i think it's just a personal taste thing where the way that it was done in near and the way that it was done in blade runner 2049 and the original blade runner those are like to me like the best takes on that concept for me personally and I can totally see why this book would be the best take on it for somebody else personally because I think it is handled very well it didn't resonate with me in the same way that Near or Blade Runner did and I'm only using those mainly as examples because they just came out this past year and the most recent media of that nature that I consumed however what did hit really hard with me is I really enjoyed the subversiveness of this series. Um, I really enjoyed how family dynamic was uh, explored. Um, I also, I don't know that I agree with some of the conclusions that I felt like I was drawing from their examination of family dynamics. However, I think that's a subjective thing and I think that it was a very interesting take and I appreciated it a lot, even if I didn't personally agree with the, like the ethos behind it in every case. Um, and then uh, the writing was, was it was a, it's very, very well written. I did feel a couple of times like it wanted me to know that it was smarter than me. And that was a little bit like, and I don't know that it necessarily was. I think it's very smart, but sometimes I felt like some of the writing was like trying to be a little too smart, but I also think that might be a product of when it came out because I, I don't know the history of this writer particularly well. I have not read his other work, but it seems seemed like maybe there was an attempt to differentiate it from what was happening in the Marvel Cinematic Universe at the time. So I kind of can understand the desire to use like more, um, I don't, wordy is the wrong word. I hate that term. It, it's, it's to try to use more like uh, intelligent um writing techniques than uh, maybe is typical in some of the other dialogue. And then it also fits with the character too. So sure. I don't think that's a major criticism. Maybe a bit um, didactic or verbose. Yeah. Yes. That's the right way to put it. Sure. Um, yeah. And then uh, the last thing I'd say is I, the art didn't super jive with, but I think it's very well done. So I think that's a taste thing. It's not. Mm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> going off the uh, being very like the, it thinks it, it, you know, thinks it's smarter than you or whatever. I think it, in retrospect, it that kind of makes me 
I think it made me like near more like reading this made me like near more. Cause I was like kind of lukewarm on near. Uh, so this made me like it more. And I think it's because it doesn't try to be like, Oh, I'm smarter than you. It's just like, here's the story. <laughs> Take from it what you will. Yep. But also following up on that and not on the same subject, the subversive thing I think is also really interesting. Uh, yes. I don't know if we have, are any of you guys. I don't keep up with this. Yeah, I was in the mid teens, but. Uh, oh no! Pause to that. So, Spider-Man, is that a good character or? What's that? Uh, the, the human <laughs> Yeah, no, we we were talking earlier on in the podcast about how uh, I have seen the original Sam Raimi Spider Man movie about seven hundred times. Ah, uh, okay. It's a good movie. I, I really dislike that movie now, having seen other Spider-Man movies. Yeah, same. I would say the same uh, thing. I loved it at the time. At the time, it was a very good movie. That's what I should have said at the time. Yeah. <laughs> I still think it's Sam good. I just... Director. Yeah, I, I think it's good, but you, now I see what we could have had. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, back to the subject at hand. Yeah, sorry. Uh, Alex, you're talking about <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, the audio for the stream and podcast just got super, super fucked for about <laughs> 20 seconds. Don't Is know it what good happened. Though? It's all good now. Um, okay. Yeah, I was, I was asking if we have any anime fans in the house. Uh, I've watched an anime or two. I've seen an anime or two. I'm not opposed, but I do not keep up. Okay. Yeah, I was up through like the mid 2000s when I was a teenager, but not so much anymore. Have any of you guys ever seen? I'm going to use two series. There's a lot of them, but have you seen Neon Genesis Evangelion or Madoka Magica? Uh, I love Evangelion. I've seen like the first Evangelion movie, maybe the second. I was drunk. And <laughs> my point about those is um, <laughs> that seems like I'm a great way to watch those movies, but um, they're total deconstructions, right? Like they're taking a framework that you're totally familiar with. In the case of Evangelion, it's Mecca. And then in the case of Madoka Magica, yeah. it's like the Sailor Moon style, like uh, mm -hmm. uh, magical girls. And then it takes everything you expect and then it kind of flips it on its head. It's like, it's just messing with it in ways that you wouldn't expect and subverting your expectations, like you said. And I think, for me, I don't have the context of comics enough to know just how deep that subversion went and that deconstruction went. So I think if I were a huge comic fan, I could see that hitting super hard. But so like the, in the I, same way, I, I think if you're watching me on Genesis Evangelion the first time without knowing anything about Mecca, you might just be like, this is a really weird thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't know, maybe I'm putting words in Pat's mouth, but I don't think, like, as a comic, it's necessarily that subversive, but as, like, a, P, like, as a follow-up to, like, Age of Ultron, where maybe a lot of people, like, oh, Vision's cool, I want to, maybe I want to go read Vision, I don't know how many people actually, like, who aren't reading comics see the movies and go, oh, I want to go read the comics about this guy. Mm -hmm. There's, but, a, like, as a, um, as, like, a counterpoint to the movies, it's kind of subversive to, like, get people in there to read it. 
Sure. I can see that. I think it's also subversive to the concept of an Avenger. That was the thing that to me like and and it's actually not that uncommon in the and I you know would know more than me, Sam, but it's not that uncommon in the way that they treat the Avengers in their in their specific books for them to subvert what you what your expectations of their characters are. I just thought it was interesting in a bubble um, having not like having the mass appeal like these are the movies, the Avengers are good guys, they're just good guys. Deal with it, they're good guys. Anything they do is right. And mm-hmm. they haven't really played with that that much. They kind of poke it trying to play with it with like, oh, well, Captain America is being hunted by the U.S. government now. But whatever. You know he's the right. He's in the right. There's, it's, those movies are so heavy-handed. And they're not bad, but they're very, very like, these are the good guys. And they fight the bad guys. There's not a lot of subversion in the MCU movies. So as someone who's com- consumed superhero media like that since I was like for the past – 10 years ago or so since I stopped reading comic books um, or superhero comics, this was an interesting subversion of that archetype, even if that's not that uncommon for them to do it in the actual books when you read them. Yeah. I mean, I think that they've from, at least from what I've read, they definitely do that. Like that's a big part of why I like uh, Matt Fraction's run of Hawkeye is that it's very much subverting. Like he's, in the Avengers, but also he's really concerning himself with this apartment building. He's kind of a mess. And, um, but at the same time, you never really reading those doubt in Clinton, Kate, really, you just think that you, you still root for them largely. Whereas this was like, I just don't know how to feel about vision as a character without, which is, I don't, which feels very unique, at least to the few superhero comics that I've read. And I um, really like that aspect of it a lot. Yeah. A and lot. I feel like it's also just subversive in general of like one of the biggest things that it aims to do is subvert that kind of standard nuclear family dynamic, mm-hmm. which he's yep. very much wants, even if it doesn't necessarily make sense for him or even if it doesn't um, necessarily it, like not even necessarily a good dynamic. And even if there's cracks underneath the surface, like, which is the part that I personally found the most interesting. Like I I still haven't finished or played that much of near automata. So I can't really speak to that aspect, but it's uh, not present in that game. I don't think. Right. No, but I mean, but I mean like, I like, like, so I, I do, I did really like the, what does it mean to be human? But also I, the thing that kind of connected with me most was like, what does it mean to be human in current modern day society, which is something that I, I always, find really interesting even if it's heavy-handed and some not i'm not saying this is heavy-handed but in something like uh like a black mirror where <laughs> even if it's like and it's most heavy-handed <laughs> in black mirror i, I still enjoy it <laughs> you should yeah, do a podcast like... about black mirror oh we uh, should yeah. and how i hate it <laughs> no, <laughs> so uh, i'll give you a little bit of background on kind of what i thought of it and um uh, then maybe a little tiny bit of background about the uh the comic itself and like the writer and a mini synopsis uh, i'll read erica's comments and then we can go into some heavy ass spoilers so uh background comics is that comics were kind of my first love in terms of like things that I'm a big fan of. So uh, 
I think uh, my earliest memory is of renting Superman the movie on VHS from the local video rental store. Uh, and um, I, I watched that religiously as well as I was a kid. And I've always been a huge superhero fan, a huge. And then uh, when I got my first comic, I was like, oh, this is awesome. And I've, I've kind of expanded from superhero comics into independent stuff and non all that sort of thing. So uh, I read extremely, extremely seriously for the majority of my 20s, I'd say. Uh, at one point, I think I was buying about 40 comics a month. Uh, I had to cut that for cost reasons. <laughs> uh, but then Marvel Unlimited came out and I was reading, and again, I was reading like 40, 50 comics a month because I was reading everything Marvel put out. Um, and that was where I found the vision, actually. Um, so uh, I came to the vision uh, mostly for the writer. So Tom King, um, he wrote a book that I was recommended extremely drunkenly by a friend in the pub. Uh, he wrote this, uh, this comic called The Omega Men, which is basically an exploration of religious terrorism, uh, but from the viewpoint of the terrorists, um, and it's all set in space. Uh, basically, the issue, the first issue opened with them murdering a Green Lantern and uh, going on from there. Uh, it's a really cool comic. Um, I would highly recommend it to anyone who uh, wants to read something a little bit weird and philosophical. Um, and um, the, the, that was the first ever mainstream comic that Tom King wrote. Uh, it was this very weird philosophical sci-fi book. And then the first ever Marvel book he wrote was Vision. Um, he currently writes two books for DC. So he, he writes the main Batman book now. So if you enjoy that writer and you like Batman, um, I'd highly recommend that. I think we talked a little while ago about a double date issue where Superman and Lois Lane and Catwoman and Batman go on a double date to a fair. Uh, and uh, he wrote that issue. Uh, it's <laughs> weirdly, it's a, almost a complete counterpoint to the vision and that it's very funny. Um, so it's kind of cool to know that he does a couple of different things. Uh, Tom King, the writer into his background, I don't know whether any of you guys did a little bit of reading or anything or saw any of the stuff. Um, but Tom King is an ex CIA operative. Uh, so <laughs> he, uh, used to live in Washington where the, where the vision is set. Um, and, uh, he, uh, you know, he, he raised kids in that, in the Washington suburbs, um, and, uh, also previously, uh, has been embedded in Iraq and Afghanistan, uh, as, a kind of, uh, operative for the CIA, which is super interesting career path from what I think is code for spy to DC comics writer. Um, and uh yeah so i i really like the vision um uh I'll, I'll save probably more thoughts for when we get to the spoilery section um but i think the thing that hit with me most is the subversion of the family dynamic like allison was saying um the kind of what is a human stuff i, I feel like we're seeing it everywhere in today's media and um, and whilst the vision was one of the first places i saw it as i read it issue to issue when it was coming out um I think that the family dynamic stuff 
uh, was probably the best. And also, I have to say, uh, anti to Pat, I loved the artwork. Um, I really like just off realistic artwork. And I feel like uh, uh, Gabriel Hernandez Walter really hit it there. Um, I should probably get to Erica's comments before we stay stray too far. So here we go. I'm going to read these out roughly. So um, for Erica, as someone that has been, has, sorry, has been previously a big fan of comics, but has fallen off in recent years, the vision made me excited about comic book storytelling in a way I didn't think I'd feel again. This is particularly due to it being a nice, neat, contained story. It obviously isn't a gigantic commitment, but it's enough time to build an engaging story and make, you, make the reader care about the characters. The use of shadows in the art, particularly on Virginia's face around the blackmail subplot, which we'll get to in a minute, uh, was really well done and not something I think I would have picked up on until I read about it in the letters to the, editor, the author. Once I noticed it, I thought it was great. Her face was well lit when Vision told her he believed Viv would make a full recovery, and then she received the phone uh, with the video of her burying Grim Reaper, and her face was in shadow. Uh, Alex, it might be wise to edit a spoiler warning in uh, before I read Erica's comments. I don't know how easy well, that is. If you're listening to the podcast version, the music, the outro music will be entered here. Feel free to keep on listening if you want to hear the spoiler version. That makes sense. Um, bye, guys. You don't want the spoilers. Yeah, bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> bye. We do still love you. Um, Just not as much. Uh, yeah. Go read the, vi- go read the vision. Again. Go read the vision, then unpause. Yeah. It'll be fine. <laughs> uh, so this was, this happened again when she was watching her family play football in the yard and she answered the cell phone pretty much every time she interacted with the blackmailer. This book goes out of its way to remind you the visions despite their best efforts, are not human. However, I found myself feeling very human feelings for them. Empathy, dread, pity, and sorrow. It's a really good book, and I will read more books by Tom King and more books Sam recommends. Excellent. I'm pleased with that ending. (laughs) (laughs) Spoilers. Um, Yeah, so spoilers. The plot of the vision is essentially that the vision creates his own family. Uh, He builds his wife from the brainwaves of his ex-wife, the Scarlet Witch, and uh, combines their brainwaves to make their two children. And um, uh, and uh, they move into a suburb in Washington whilst the Vision goes to work for the president. And um, yeah, uh, so they have a lovely, happy little nuclear family, which doesn't stay happy for long. Um, the Grim Reaper attacks them and uh, his wife, Virginia, is forced to murder him to save their children. And uh, she hides this from the vision because she uh, worries that he won't be able to to lie about it if he's questioned or what have you. And kind of things spiral from there. The book has a a lot of foreshadowing. Um, I think I'm particularly susceptible. I love foreshadowing in stories. Um, and uh, I feel it, it's, I really like the way that Tom King is, does it in this book, particularly because he, every time he introduces a character, he usually tells you how they're going to die. Yep. Um, does that even uh, count as foreshadowing? Because he just tells you what's going to yeah. happen. Like spoilers? <laughs> <laughs> Probably not, but yeah. I actually um, found that uh, that foreshadowing to be um, 
a uh, very important to the emotional tone of the book um, because I th- I think I have a thing that if, if we continue to talk about like more because you don't see it as much in games when we, if we continue to talk about more like television and um, and and uh, literature I have uh, an issue with um, stories and literature that I think is supposed to be mean. Um, that's uh, actually part of why, and I don't mean this to be clear. I don't mean this as objective stuff. This is all subjective opinion. So I don't want to like. I'm not trying to trash anybody's opinions at all here. But like, that's part of why I really don't like Black Mirror because I think that it's yeah. aggressively, it's it's making an aggressive attempt to make you feel like shit. And I I personally don't really like that in my media. Um, I think that for a lot of people, it's it doesn't. They don't perceive it in that way, and that's great because I would I hope that like people should be able to enjoy things. I wish I could like a lot of this stuff, but um, a lot of like current prestige television has that effect on me, where I feel like it's super mean, and it's like I'm supposed to like feel bad while I consume it, and I really don't like that. Um, and so I really appreciate it. I was kind of worried that that's how this Vision series was going to go, like it was just going to be like a heartache simulator where I was just going to have to like feel a bunch of pain. For these characters after they were built up and then like just like kind of nastily gotten rid of but that foreshadowing I think almost exists as a way to say at the end of the story there won't be anyone left and like you can turn back now if you don't but like just know that everyone's gone like this is not going to end well and that made me go okay so now I'm going to look at this from a more clinical perspective and just because I want to see how it plays out Rather than get emotionally attached to all these characters, and I wasn't totally I wasn't totally successful in that because I did I I did um, Viv in particular I I really kind of fell in love with that character over the course of reading it. Uh, coincidentally, she's the one that makes it out at the end, so <laughs> I guess that's kind of like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I like that foreshadowing a lot. I think without it, it would have felt like a nastier <laughs> story, which would have been fine for plenty of people, but just doesn't work for me. So I'm glad that, that it yeah. was so direct in its uh, spoilers. Yeah, I think I think it was pretty direct. And then also it was um, kind of like, make no mistake, this is going to be a tragedy. <laughs> like yeah. Right yeah. when you meet the neighbors, like um, almost immediately, it's like their house will be, lit, be on fire by one of the visions at the end of this book, which yeah. happens. But, it, but it's one of those things where I feel like... Um, one of the other things I really liked about the book was I, f- I felt that the pacing was really good. Um, just like that kind of slow descent um, into more and more tragedy where it's, it starts off like, okay, they get attacked by a villain, but that's not terribly like it's, it's, it was a lot more gruesome than we're normally used to seeing in a lot of comic books, but that's not, you know, out of the realm of possibility for a superhero comic, but then just like the slow descent to, to like blackmail and then um, when uh, Virginia goes over to the blackmailer's home, whose name I'm blanking on, and uh, his son is shot. Like, just like, it just like that kind of descent from things being on the surface fine, although we know it's not fine to being full blown tragedy, um, I thought worked really well. Yep. Yeah. Things go bad very quickly. Yeah. I like some of the subtle stuff as well. Um, so they make mention later on, uh, like 
it, I was talking about this when we were talking about it in the chat that the the um, tree they have this big wonder blossom tree which forms one of the central plot points um, is in the front room and it's in like a huge amount of scenes and then you find out later in the comic that it's a gift for his previous wedding to his ex-wife yep. who who uh, who you know she's mentally unstable at best um the scarlet witch and you see and her brain waves are what they base virginia on um and there's a you know there's a, there's a couple of sections uh tom king does a lot of good stuff with repetition um, he repeats the opening line of the comic three separate times. Um, one in so the basically the opening line is like uh, the visions moved into so and so on so and so house on this avenue on a nice summer day, and it talks a bit about the area and like oh the people who lived there wish they went to the city more often and blah blah blah, mm. um, and then when there's a section where a character is seeing the future and she speaks the whole intro um kind of almost fourth wall breaking and then also it's the last diet it's the last text panel in the comic is them to, is the repetition of that first uh, that first intro which i thought was really well handled um, and and I, I like you were saying about the neighbors um, I think the neighbors is probably my favorite piece of foreshadowing uh, because uh, the the narrator says uh, George and Nora uh, within you know a couple of months their house is burned down by one of the visions. George's last thought will be of Nora and how he has lived a perfect life, and Nora's last thought is of the floating vase and why it was empty. Um, mm -hmm. And then. You know they, they they kind of explain why it's empty and that the in order to make it float it has to be poisonous so they can never put flowers in it yep and, and i think obviously that's a pretty heavy-handed metaphor but i really liked it um, yeah it's it's heavy-handed but i feel like that's the one that stuck with me the most like mm -hmm. i it's one of those things where you immediately see it like oh yeah it's it's a, it's this facsimile of a va vase but it's uh it's clear it can't have the same purpose and and it, but but I, at the same time i felt like that was the type of thing where last night when i was going to sleep i just kept i kind of kept thinking about a lot of this comic but then i thought about that vase and i feel like it's like it's a little heavy-handed but i think it works really well i mean it's, it's in every issue that that vase is in every issue yeah. and it's mentioned quite a few times and then it's the method virginia uses to kill herself Mm -hmm. Mega spoilers! The end of the final <laughs> issue. Um, oh, man, I thought we weren't going to spoil. Damn it! <laughs> uh, I, I think it's really cool that she basically spends the whole of however many months in that house with the thing that she uses to kill herself. Uh, which uh, you know, I, I think they mentioned that as also a wedding gift, possibly for the Vision's ex-wife. And uh, they do a great bit where they mention. Uh, Virginia, when she thinks about her memories, yes, that's one of my favorite moments in the entire yeah. book. Yeah, and then they uh, repeat that, that again. That was one of the moments that. Uh, so I just went on, just talked about like not liking things that are. I do also like feeling things a lot from media. Um, that was the most earned moment of sadness 
from a comic book I think I've ever maybe ever experienced. I, yeah. yeah. It that hit into it. That made me very emotional and I, but and in a way that I, I don't know. I I I thought that was a it deserved to to have that it didn't feel mean, it didn't feel contrived. It felt like like it earned it and and I was really really blown away by that that panel. Yeah, agreed. Um, I think that uh, what you when you the heavy handedness is actually pretty earned across the board. I think in this book, I, I think there are particular moments where it's intentionally heavy handed, yep. and I think that it uses it does that well, and mm-hmm. it it doesn't feel like it's cheap or contrived. It feels very like we're going to beat you over the head with this because we make a lot of points and have a lot of opinions in this book. And um, this is one of the ones that you should pay attention to more than the other ones. And I, so I didn't feel like it was cheap when they did that. No. Um, And I, I, sorry. Oh, I, I, and I would agree with you in that. I feel like those moments were really earned, especially with that, that repetition of, of Virginia going through her memories. I, that was one where I was just like that, that, that got to me for sure. It's, I think it's interesting that the, the memories are implanted, but you don't know kind of where from at the beginning. Yeah, later. Yep. yeah and she goes, oh, uh, and then when you realize how, why they're so sad, and you, it kind of gives you a load of context for why Virginia does yes. what she does. And it gives you so voice. much context for so many scenes that have happened already, like, like when they're laying in bed and he tells her the joke. Yeah, before Oof. and it's just ah man, like it's so it's really good. One of my favorite subtle things was that at the beginning of the book, uh, Virginia and Vision sleep in separate single beds. Yeah, and it's never they never draw attention to it, but they start sleeping in a double bed, which I thought was yeah. cool. And they stop wearing pajamas, like their their relationship, their relationship kind of grows and changes off panel. There's only like there's the scene where she's like, I would, I, you know, I want to get down, but that's that's really the only evolution of their relationship on panel, which is really cool. I thought. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know if I have anything to add besides that. Uh, the red skin stuff was weird on like the football and like the mascot. I kind of agreed. I thought that was a little like. Yeah, it was like a like it was a little cheesy. Like I laughed at it because like, but I think that that was very politically relevant in 2015. Oh yeah, it was just yeah. it was just like a like what is this? And he holds up the football, and there's fighting redskins, and there's a Native American headdress and stuff, and visions have red skin. So it's like a, this is offensive to us. And it's like, mm, you're, mm, like <laughs> yes, but no. Mm. Yeah, it, that was a little bit of a weird stretch. I thought. Um, I also yeah. thought that like they were trying to draw a parallel, like that you're the parallel that you're saying. But then also, I thought that Vision was trying to like his children that it's racist too. But like, I just I don't know. It was just it was hard to read that part. I think like hard to understand exactly what the point was. I felt. And yep. then it's yeah. Then it it's all to bring up like oh no our ma- like he's like your mascot's like a bull on a three corner hat 
and they're like, oh, no, it changed, but they haven't finished changing everything and bring up that humans change, but they don't change. Yeah. Quickly. Yeah. And that it's a war is changed or war yeah. never changes. Which one is that? It? Was one of the, that was one of those things that kind of like it didn't quite hit with me. I thought that it was a little like, all right, I get it. Human, humanity is the real villain. What if I told you the real enemy was humanity? <laughs> like, hmm. It's not, even, it's, not even, it's not even like a real enemy. It's just no, no. I know, enemy. I know. It's I'm just, just saying. Yeah, what is it's the, along those lines of like that's that is one of the few instances of heavy handedness that I didn't super appreciate. I guess. Yeah. And you know who had yeah, to go through? Like, sorry. I was just gonna what? say, you know how I had to go through okay. the most tragedy in that whole that whole comic? The poor dog. Yeah. yeah. Spocky. Rough. <laughs> yeah. That, that was rough. Yeah, <laughs> that's hard. That was kind of gross. Kind of saw it coming that something bad would happen to the dog because you don't introduce a dog that late in the story without something bad happening to it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it could it like it got well. The dog survives the book, kind of. Yeah, you're right. Kind of. Yeah, that's a, that's a different dog. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it also exists as a as a piece of normalcy for the family. I think like that's what it's yeah. supposed to represent. Yeah. So its destruction kind of had to happen, um, as yeah. as metaphor. Yeah. Well, especially since they did get it so late in the game, like it, it felt very much like we are going to grasp onto this normalcy as much yes. as we humanly can, even if there is nothing, even if it's using the brainwaves of this dead dog of the neighbors, um, <laughs> like it. it I, I feel that's the thing that kind of that I thought was the most effective was just like we are going to be normal we're going to go to a restaurant and pay even though we don't eat we're going yeah. to have a dog even though we're like using these the neighbor's dog's brain waves it, it just felt like just that kind of aggressive like we are going to be the most normal family that just that I thought was so so good yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, Vision says, uh, we says to Scarlet Witch at the end, she's like, oh, this is what average people would do. We're special. We're not like them. And he's like, if you knew me at all, you'd know that all I've ever wanted to be is average. And it's a fantastically powerful line. So, Sam, you could probably explain this better. I, didn't, I wasn't super clear on it because I'm not clear enough on the Vision as a character outside of this book. Was he killing them? Like, is Scarlet Witch dead after that? No, no. He, okay, um, okay, that's... I think he can like phase through people and knock them out by like tapping their hearts yeah. or like that's kind of what I know, thought, but I I wasn't them. sure. Yeah, yeah, I had that moment where I was like, all I mean, I, like I don't remember hearing. I feel like that would have made the news of people going, "Hey, in this yeah. Vision comic, all of the superheroes are dead now," and I'm like, yeah. I feel like I would have heard that somewhere. Yeah, I wasn't well, sure if it was supposed to like be pulled out of time or if they were just getting knocked out or what. One of the reasons I picked the vision uh, over a couple of other things that I like as well is that I thought that it was probably the most self-contained because um, yeah. there's really only one thing that you wouldn't be able to glean or like get straight away, and it's why is Captain America black? Because uh, everything else is explained in the comic itself. And you might also think why are there two Spider-Men, but probably most people wouldn't have spotted that or. I did notice that. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't even notice, and I know why there are two Spider Men. Um, but uh, yeah, <laughs> what? Jesus. Um, so anyway, uh, so the Grim Reaper stuff. Um, 
or in like Wonder Man because Wonder Man like yeah Ultron used Wonder Man's brainwaves to make Vision Vision okay but did Wonder Man didn't die from that no he just scanned his brain okay okay yeah so hmm because when I I didn't know that stuff until this comic and so when the Grim Reaper showed up I was like oh Ultron like killed Wonder Man took his brain and made, and that's why. Uh, the Grim Reaper is mad. Grim Reaper is Wonder Man's brother. He is like wants revenge uh, for using his brother's brain to make the vision, I guess. Um, but yeah, so it's like a very family motivated assault attack on the visions and uh, which leads to, you know, all this family trauma. Um, I can't remember where I was originally going to go with this, but <laughs> like fam- a family rooted like cause of their family trauma when they all started out, it was like a very human, like, uh, my family has been wronged. I want things to be right for my family or I want, you know, misguided revenge or whatever. And like every, turns in, yeah. And then that's what the vision, you know, his, uh, or so the daughter is like damaged very badly. Uh, so the mother gets revenge killing Grim Reaper. And then the, uh, the vision's brother slash the kid's uncle, of Ultron relatedness uh, ends up killing Vin and so Vision wants revenge for that mm. so there's this a whole like family squabble stuff kind of squabble is kind of maybe a light word for it but basically every every agenda or like every attack or action sequence is family related Yeah. so like Zagrin Raper is like you know you've stolen my brother's brainwaves then I think the next fight sequence is uh, in the blackmailer's house. Yep. The uh, and, yeah, and like he's scared for his son because Vin attacks him at school. And then after that, it's Victor and Vin, and uh, it's like, oh, I'm spying on you. Don't don't tell your parents. That sort of thing. Um, I think Victor's death is actually quite well earned as well. Like he's not a major character. I I barely knew who he was, and I read a lot of comics. Um, but uh, I thought his the way he went out was very good, and like he's like, yes, I'm dying, but I'm happy because I was meant to destroy the world, and I didn't. Which no I fate, but what we make. Of, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I just uh, I think every death in that comic is really well earned. Um, I agree. Yeah. Not many, not many twelve issue storylines only have four fights, and in every fight, except no, in every fight somebody dies. Yeah. Um, uh, especially a mainstream comic killing off two semi-known named characters that weren't created for that series. Um. Yeah. No. I. I. I you know. The more I think about it, the more I like the vision. I have to say. Um, I, I did not like the character beforehand. I thought he was quite poorly used in pretty much every Marvel comic he's been in. He's just been the like, I don't understand humans guy. But he, he saved the world 37 times. Yeah. Oh, that sequence is so good. Yeah. I like the repetition as well. I mean, I said it yes. before, but any time I really like, um, there's two repetitions that really stand out to me. And it's the Scarlet Witch one where throughout the whole Scarlet Witch comic, the the backstory of their relationship, he says, 
um, oh, did you not hear me? Would you like me to adjust the volume of my voice? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm comfortable at this volume, but I could go louder for you. And she does it to him right at the end. She says, you know, are you comfortable with the volume of my voice? And it's a, a really good callback and it shows their relationship. But then also you get something that happens completely separate, which is where the vision's being interviewed by the cops and they say, oh, can anyone confirm your whereabouts? And he says, yes, I can confirm it. And then right at the end, when Virginia is giving her confession that she's killed the Grim Reaper, et cetera, et cetera, the detective goes, okay, can anyone confirm your story? And she says, yes, I can confirm it. Mm-hmm. It's very, like, it's a fantastic, it shows how much they've grown together in the, a scene that is not observed by either of the other they know they you know they use the same language mm-hmm. um and uh another another really good comparison thing we were talking about wonder man and scarlet witch like in the scarlet witch issue they show that she's now seeing wonder man and that's the impetus for her giving her brain waves to vision saying look you and me didn't work out but me and a version of you did work out about see if you and a version of me will work out and like the real versions of these people are like happily in love but vision and virginia sleep in separate beds uh i think it's such a good juxtaposition between like artificial love and real love i guess is what they're trying to do there yeah I could talk about the vision for a while, I expect. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I wanted to touch, though, I actually have to head out in a couple minutes here, but um, yeah. the last thing, the other major moment, I don't know what it, so it's the the revelation that her memories are Scarlet Witches, and that's why she has a lot of things to cry about. Um, yeah. But then also, um, once everything, like there's a moment where the vision realizes everything that's happened like the the death of the grim reaper and and we don't get to see the results of that conversation until like time has passed and the house yeah. is a disaster and he's in the basement like making this new dog like like that 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 sequence from like him going oh and then going in the basement them showing him making a new dog and then like sparky shows up um but at this point, like we don't know what the results of that were between the two of them, really. Mm-hmm. Other than that, they yeah. seem okay now, and the house is completely destroyed. And yeah. I thought that that was like a really awesome gap to leave you to fill in, and was like very like that was one of those subversive moments where like seeing him in an apron with blood on his like apron, going like. I'm a superhero and now I'm in this really fucked up situation and I don't know what to do about it because I love my wife, I think, or not, but also we're on this train and we're going to, we're going to just keep going. (laughs) And that was really, really, really interesting to see. And that was, I have a, I think I get really sick of like, uh, the, like, like the last time that I cared about a superhero's home life was in the Incredibles because I feel like, the Incredibles did that like well when that was kind of still a new consideration for people who weren't reading comics all the time. It's like, what happens when a superhero goes home from work? Um, and since then, it just seems like there's been a flood of media that's like 
the real lives of superheroes, and I'm kind of it doesn't really have an effect on me anymore. So that aspect of this book, like I was kind of expecting it to not have an effect on me because it's like okay, another story about how these characters go home and they live in a suburban neighborhood and there's a joke about how the Avengers don't pay salaries anymore. But like that's been kind of touched on a lot in the past 15 years of comics and, and movies and stuff. So, but for some reason that moment of his kind of total unhingement of like him making the decision, I am going to choose my family over the fact that I'm an Avenger did like definitely hit home and kind of again it was one of those like this series earned the right to talk about the home life of a superhero in a way that I haven't seen anything that has since that became a common trope yeah yeah and and there's the part where he's out uh right before um Vivian right that's or Virginia goes to meet uh with uh blackmailer uh, and uh, Vision is out f- with the Avengers, and she's like, "No, you need to come home. I've got this plan." Like, blah blah blah. And he's like, "Fine, I'll you know I'll call Nova and see if he can. He's supposed to be spending time with his mom, but we have to make sacrifices. So he has to like, yeah, he's got to pull the human away from their family to go spend time with his family. And honestly, that was kind of one of the parts that I sort of initially eye rolled at as like, okay, of course this conversation needs to happen at some point, but. Mm-hmm. Because of the way that it was resolved, I felt like it retroactively earned a lot of those moments that happened earlier and yeah. made me yeah. feel better about them in retrospect. So, um, as Pat needs to go, and also I probably should go as well, um, is, there, is there any anyone got any wrapping up thoughts or anything they want to speak on before we close down for the day? Mm-hmm. Not really. I'm just, thanks for recommending it. I yeah, didn't definitely. know that it existed yeah. and I was, I really enjoyed it a lot. So I appreciate you bringing it up for the podcast. Thanks. Uh, I'm glad you guys liked it. I, I had undenard of, uh, things to recommend, uh, but, uh, I kept going back and going back and thinking, oh, what's the best thing? What's the best thing? And I think the vision's the thing that came up the most, <laughs> um, for fans of the vision who, or for people who are have read the vision or are interested in reading more Tom King work, um, I would really recommend the Omega Men. I think it's a really cool book. Um, it's exactly the same format: twelve issues, one uh, straight, one one full story. Um, but that one's actually available in one single paperback, so I think that's six ninety nine for the whole thing, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, Tom King also writes Batman, as I said, has been writing it for about forty issues now. Um, so that's a bit different, obviously, um, but he's doing some really cool things over there. It's kind of changing the status quo up. Um, and another Tom King recommendation is Mr. Miracle. Uh, Tom King, Mr. Miracle is a lot more like uh, Vision, um, but I would say it thinks it's a lot smarter than the Vision thinks it is. <laughs> um, that's worrisome. <laughs> Yeah, it's it, it might not be for some people. Um, it's really well done, though. It, they use a nine-power grid, which is the same art method they use for Watchmen. Um, and I'm a huge sucker for nine-panel grid, so I instantly fell in love with that book. Uh, it's not done yet. It's on about issue six. Um, but that is the exact same prestige 12-issue format. Cool. Um, 
I, I, I struggle to recommend other good things. I think, um, uh, as uh, Alison was saying, uh, Matt Fraction's Hawkeye is fantastic. Um, that one, I think it's probably about 30 issues in the end. Um, and Fraction also wrote Iron Fist and Iron Man. And uh, both of those comics were very good. Um, and I would also heartily and stronger than strong, very, very strongly recommend anything written by Jonathan Hickman, who started writing for Marvel with Fantastic Four um, and then went on to Avengers and eventually wrote Secret Wars. Uh, so if you like some extremely heady, very weird sci-fi, I would heartily recommend that as well. Cool. Uh, so yeah, thanks everybody for tuning in. Thanks everyone for reading The Vision. And I promise to uh, sit quietly and not recommend any further comics for a while unless people ask. <laughs> I might ask though. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Uh, any further thoughts for anyone? Uh, go read Kelly Sudaconic's uh, Captain Marvel. And also she is married to Matt Fraction and they write a comic called Sex Criminals together. Sex Criminals is very funny. Also Bitch Planet. Good. Yeah. The fact that they're married was like kind of blew my mind because I love both of them. So I was very excited that I was like, these two are living together and making the best comics. This is amazing. Excellent. Um, so yeah, I think if we'll close it for today, I think, I don't know what we're planning on talking about next week. Future. Um, well, if the two biggest game, two games of the year are coming out on Friday. So <laughs> and of course, I think it'll be a lot of monster in the chat. Sorry, bear with me one second. Alexa has just started playing music. <laughs> <laughs> what a way to end the podcast. That's a Monster Hunter theme. <laughs> the best game of the year. That was, that was very weird. It just started playing like orchestral music. Huh. Um, so, uh, yeah, thanks everybody for tuning in and on live or for listening on the recording. Um, uh, we appreciate everybody who listens to us, all three to five of you. You guys are great. Uh, shout out to Erica's grandma. Yeah, shout out to Erica's grandma. Uh, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy the vision. Uh, it can be purchased very reasonably at multiple outlets, including Amazon.com. Uh, and uh, I actually would totally give that to my grandparents. Like, as a complete aside, I think that that would probably translate quite well to the majority of people but anyway um yeah again thanks for listening uh, next week we'll probably be talking about monster Hunter world so right. uh apart from i apart from allison who doesn't look like she's that interested i'll play it i'll play it maybe okay the demo's still going maybe after this podcast i'm going to go download the demo and see what i feel like about it uh yeah if you want to play together i'm i'm free for a couple hours so yeah cool i'll go download the demo uh, I can't play right now because I'm going to go to bed, but I will be playing tomorrow. So uh, <laughs> um, I'm going to try and get some people together and fight that big bad boss. Uh, Andre, you'll probably still be awake for the morning of my time. So uh, yeah, uh, I've got plans for the afternoon though. So sorry. Um, where can, where can people uh, find us? Uh, oh yeah, you can find me on Twitter at sgch and also on Instagram and loads of other places. Um, S for Sierra, G for Golf, C for Charlie, H for Hotel. Uh, Andre? Uh, you can find me leading my facsimile of a human life on 
Twitter at cool slaw with uh, four instead of an A because I'm leet like that and cray underscore dre on Instagram. I, I keep saying it every week. I'm a big fan of those handles. It makes me laugh every time. Uh, Alison? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at W-R-I-T-E-R-S-E-R-E-N-Y-T-Y. And right now my uh, name on Twitter is a big, uh, good place reference, and I'm very fond of it. And uh, finally, Alex. You can Google me and find me creeping on all the cat videos and also probably on some kind of Terminator 2 fan board. Excellent. I think Terminator 1 is better than Terminator 2. I wholeheartedly oh, disagree. Jesus. <laughs> they're both very good movies for different reasons totally uh, you, you can find pat online as well but i don't know how yeah, jester pc uh, he had to drop off uh there you go jester pc um he's dro- had to drop off but uh maybe sometime between this week and next we'll stream some monster hunter we'll do something fun uh thanks everyone for listening and uh we'll see you soon goodbye eat, eat all the tide pods you can <laughs> no, you can't say. You really can't say that. That's don't. Like, <laughs> fruit. One, we're not we're not sponsored by Tide. Two, that we might be culpable for some legal action. We aren't sponsored by Tide. You can't just talk about Soup Garden. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Good night. Goodbye. On that note, bye. <laughs> yeah. Bye, guys.